Well, turning your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 6, as you know, if you, maybe this is your first time or something, we've been going through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, we're going through the books of the Bible, and we're going verse by verse, passage by passage. We're now at 2 Samuel chapter 6. 1 Samuel was more about the man named Samuel and Saul, first king of Israel. 2 Samuel is more about David, and that's King David, the one that we all know about. David has now become the king over the nation of Israel. Saul is dead. The civil war is over that had been going on. David has been anointed by all the tribes as the king of Israel, and he seeks to unite the nation. And we saw last time he had two victories over the, uh, over the Philistines. It was great. And then he gave the people hope and victory. He also captured from a group called the Jebusites, he captured the city of Jerusalem. It used to be known as Salem, but it became known later as Jerusalem, which means Jehovah's peace or God's peace. So he took that city and made it the capital. Now, as we continue this morning, David's trying to unite everybody, and he continues to unite the nation. And so the key now is going to be worship. And what we see is David's going to bring the Ark of the Covenant to the city of Jerusalem and set it up under the, the, the tabernacle tent and all of those kind of things. He's going to try to do that. Now, you may say, I'm not even sure what we're talking about. Well, I'll explain it to you and show you this. The Ark of the Covenant was really a manifestation of where God would appear among his people. We'll talk more about it in a little bit. The central focus of the nation has always been God, and so he's trying to bring everybody together. And here's what we find out, that whenever the nation of Israel obeys God, whenever they obey God's word, they're blessed by God, and they gain victory. But whenever they as a nation disobey God's word, they're disciplined by God and defeated. And so we saw when they were disobedient to God, they lost to the Philistines. Now that David's become the king, and they're obedient, they've defeated the Philistines, they've now got the city of Jerusalem, and they're about to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem to bring everybody together. As we look at the passage this morning, we're going to talk about the idea of the importance of obedience, and we're going to talk about the ark, and we're going to talk about the tabernacle. I'll explain all that. And then we're going to see the idea of favor. It is better to be favored by God than by man. And we'll talk about what that means in a minute, because sometimes people, you know, they want everybody to think they're okay. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. Well, let me raise a question as we start. How do you determine what is right and what is wrong? How do you determine that? We live in a fallen world, and often the values that you find in the Scripture, the, the, the world is contrary to that. Where do we go to get the answers? Where do we go to say, well, this is what's right and this is what's wrong? I remember several years ago, it's been about, no, oh, it's been close to eight years ago, I was reading about a Senate race in the state of California, and the guy that was running for the Senate uh, they asked him questions. They said, what about your view on abortion, about the death penalty? And they were just the, all kind of things. And he would say something, and then one of them said, but several years ago, you, that he basically had the opposite view. And they said, well, how do, you, how do you change views, or how do you decide these kind of things? And he said, well, what I do is I send out polls to the people, and I find out what people like and what way they want to go, and so whatever way the people are going, that's what I choose. We call that morality by majority. He wanted favor with the people. Sometimes we'll do things and say things or to gain favor with others. I had a friend when I was in junior high, young guy. He went into a, a, a store and stole a whole bunch of candy. And, and then they caught him and, and they said, why did you steal the candy? He said, well, I wanted to give it to my friend so everybody would like me. Well, sometimes we do things that are wrong. I think of college people, especially when a, in a culture, a college culture, or even just our world. And, and there are people say, let's go do this. And you, you, you know that that's not right. But the pressure sometimes of people in wanting to fit in and say, I want people to like me or I want people to, to think I'm okay, sometimes we have to be really, really careful. The truth is this, it's better to have favor from God than favor from others. It's better to do what is right 
and have favor from God than to do what is wrong and have favor from people. Look at this, Proverbs 28, verse 6 says, Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than he who is crooked, though he is rich. He said, listen, it's just better to do what's right, regardless of what people think. David seeks to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And listen, he's doing this not because he wants people to say, oh, David's great. David even brought the ark. He's doing it because he wants to worship God. He's doing it so God is for him to find favor with God rather than favor with people. And we're going to see something that's unusual when we watch this story this morning as we continue. Now, the Jewish people, they've just gained victory over the Philistines. They've beaten the Jebusites. They've taken Jerusalem. Now he wants to bring the ark. And as we do that, let me give you three, three things just to think about. First of all, uh, as we think through the passage today, God must be the center of our lives. That's, that's why he's bringing the ark, because the ark was supposed to be the center of their lives. Second, we must obey the word of God. We're going to see what happens in our passage. If you've never seen this passage, or if you've never really studied it, you may be surprised at what happens. And then the third thing is always seek God's favor rather than the favor of other people. That, I mean, that's what it boils down to. Always do what's right. Always do what God says. Let me give you sort of the outline of our passage this morning, just to show you how it fits together. We're going to see David brings the ark, and I've got the first time. The first time he tries to bring the ark, he puts it on a cart. A guy by the name of Uzzah dies, and we see the ark stays with a guy named Obed-Eden. Then the second time David brings the ark, there's a procession. David before the ark, there's the blessing. Everything is good. And then the last part is David and Michael. And if you haven't been here before, Michael is a woman. That's, that's David's first wife. Name is Michael. She was the daughter of King Saul, and David married her. She's, married, she's with David now, and we're going to see that this is going to be wild, but Michael rebukes David, and we'll see why. What does she say? What's it all about? And we see how, what David says. So it's a, it's a great passage. Uh, there's a lot in this. We'll go quickly through it just so you can see the flow of the passage. So David is going to bring up the ark, okay? And what, where is the ark? It's, well, it's at a place called Kirith Jerim. If you remember, the Philistines in a battle, when they won, they stole the ark of the covenant. They kept it about eight months in their territory. They all got diseases. They all got sick. They got everything. They said, we better give this back to the Jews. And they sent it back to the Jews, and the Jews got it. And it's been all this time at a place called Kirith Jerim. And, and so now David has now decided, let's go get the ark since we since we've defeated the Philistines, since we've defeated the Jebusites and we got Jerusalem, let's bring the ark and put it in Jerusalem and that will unify the whole nation in worship. That's his plan. So look what he decides to do. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. Now David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. David gets 30,000 men that plan to bring this about. He's going to go to Kedesharim to get it. It's going to be a big celebration and his goal is to unite the nation in worship. Look at verse 2. David arose and went with all the people who were with him to, and this is Baal Judah, that's just another name for Kareth Jerim, to bring up there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts, who is enthroned above the cherubim. Now, let me talk about this for a second. He's going to bring up the ark. What was the ark? The ark was a box. It was a box, and it was made out of wood, covered over with gold, had a golden lid on the top, had two angels looking down at each other's. And it was the place that God would make an appearance. When the nation of Israel was in the wilderness and they wandered around, God would come and come down there. And, and he would meet with Moses. He would meet with leaders. And so this is where God makes himself known. So they're going to go up. And notice the verse. It says that they're, they're take, going to get the ark, which is called by the name 
name, the very name of the Lord. And the word Lord there is the, is the Y-H-W-H in Hebrew, which is the personal name of God. So he says, we're going to go get the ark, which is the personal name of God, the ark of, uh, of God, the name of the Lord. And so he's gone to get it. Now, this is big. This is huge because he's going to bring everything together and everybody's going to worship God. That's, that's his plan. That's his goal. Now, let's stop for a second and say, what, what exactly was the ark? I mentioned to you all ago that the ark was a box that, that uh, was made out of wood, covered over with gold, a golden lid, the angels, all of these things, poles to carry it. Let me give you that sort of a picture. If you ever saw the movie, The Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's the ark that they had in that movie was very similar to what the description is in the Bible. This is just a picture. If you notice, there is the wooden box covered over with gold. There's a top, which is made out of solid gold. Those are angels called cherubim. Single is cherub. And these are cherubim, that's plural. And that lid sits on top of the box. There's the poles that you're to carry it by. The priest and Levites were to carry the Ark of the Covenant with the poles. Just remember that. Okay, now, <clears throat> this is very special because th- this was in a tent. It was in the holy place. And the priest would go in once a year and put blood right there, the blood of a bull and the blood of a goat. And it was covering the sins of Israel for a year. That's what it was about. It's a foreshadow. This, box, it's, this was called the mercy seat. It's a foreshadow of Jesus who's going, who, who's going to come from, the, from, uh, from, you know, at that time, it'd be the future event. He would come and die on the cross and not cover sin, but pay for sin. So the Ark of the Covenant is a foreshadow, is a picture of Jesus. In fact, think about it. It's made out of gold and made out of wood. The wood represents the humanity of Jesus. The gold represents the deity of Jesus. And so it's a, really a picture of Christ. Now, there was something in the Ark. And a lot of people say, what, what was in the Ark? Well, there were three things in the Ark. There was some manna. There was Aaron's rod that budded. And there was the law. Now, let me talk to you about that for a minute. What is manna? Manna is the Hebrew word for what is it? And when God gave them this food and it came up on the ground, they went, manna, manna, what is it? And it was food for them to eat. It tasted, it, it was like bread, but it also tasted a little bit sweet. They ate that for a long time. Now, the second thing is Aaron's rod. Aaron had a, had a staff, and there was one day there was a rebellion, and some people said, we ought to be leaders rather than Aaron. And God said, take the staffs, put them down. The next morning, whichever one has budded is the leader, and Aaron's rod budded. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. And then there was the law. If you remember when Moses came down from the mountain, he came with the law. And by the way, everybody's got him carrying these big things, and even a picture here has that. It most likely wasn't that big, but he saw the people breaking the law, so he threw the law down, broke it. God made some more. Now, what was in the ark, and if you read somewhere, different places in the scripture, in the ark was those three things. There was some law, there's the manna, and there's the rod that budded. Now, let me show you something. These are a picture of man's rebellion and God's provision. Man rebelled against the law. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, paid, paid the penalty. Man rebelled against the manna. They kept saying, we don't want it, we don't want it. God is the bread that comes down from heaven. Jesus Christ is. Man rebelled against the leadership of Moses and Aaron. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So uh, all of that is a picture of man's rebellion and God's 
provisions, and that's all covered over by the mercy seat. So you, can you picture this box? I mean, think about it. This box covered over gold with a solid gold lid and those, those angels. Now, you, you've always heard people say a little cherub. Everybody thinks a little cherub. It's got little cheeks and wings and a little bow and arrow and all that. A cherubim, that's plural for a cherub, they were powerful beings. They had these strong wings, and they were very powerful beings. If any angel appeared in this room right now, we would all be on our faces. They are very powerful. And so here they are. They're fixing to go get the Ark of the Covenant. So it goes on to say, they placed the Ark of God on a new cart that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahau, the sons of Abinadab, were leading the new cart. Now, they've gone, and they pick up the Ark, and they put it on a cart, and they got some animals, some oxen's going to be pulling it. And we're going to find that one of the, one of the sons, Ahau, is going to be in the front, and another son by the name of Uzzah is going to be beside it as they go. And so notice it says, uh, they brought it, verse 4, they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Amenadab, which was on the hill, and Ahau was walking ahead of the ark. Now let's stop. Look, is this the way the ark was to be carried? Were they supposed to put the ark on a, on a, on a cart? The answer is no. When you go back in the Bible, the ark was to be carried by the, by the Levites, and it was to be carried by those poles. You remember those poles I showed you? And you were, and, and let me just tell you something. If, if in, the, in the Old Testament, in the, when they were wandering around, they would set up the tent. When it was time to move, some of the priests would get some skins, and they would walk in, and they would cover up the ark where you couldn't see it, and then some Levites would come and pick it up and carry it. You were never supposed to touch it. You really weren't even supposed to look at it. The ark was only supposed to be seen by the high priest. But to carry it, you had to cover it up and then take it out. So are they doing this right or are they doing this wrong? They're doing it wrong. You could say, hey, David, David, do you think you know what you're doing? David said, oh, yeah, yeah, we put it on a, we put it on a cart. So they brought it, verse 4, they brought it with the ark of God from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Ahio was walking ahead. So let me raise a question. Can we do a right thing in a wrong way? The answer is yes, we can. We can. We're to obey God. We're to do what he says. It's good. It's good to have zeal for the Lord, but our zeal is to be with knowledge. Romans chapter 10 verse 2 says, the Jewish people had great zeal without knowledge. You can be excited about things, but you can be wrong. You can be excited about sharing your God, the gospel with people, and you can tell people you have to do good to go to heaven. You can be excited about telling people to be good to go to heaven. You can have great zeal, but you're wrong. David has great zeal to bring the Ark of the Covenant, but he's wrong. They're doing it the wrong way. That's why it's very important that we know the Bible, that we know the gospel, that we know the truths, so that what we're excited about is truth. Because it's one thing to be excited, it's another thing to be excited about what's right. And so be very careful. That's why you need to know the Bible. And so that when you tell people things, because we all should be excited about telling people about Jesus. But we need to make sure that what we're telling people about Jesus is what's truth. So David is bringing the ark, and he's bringing it wrong. And so they're, they're doing it. Now watch what happens. So verse 5. Meanwhile... David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord with all kinds of instruments made of fir wood, with lyres, with harps, with tambourines, cassonets, cymbals. They're all going before. It's like a parade. They got people in front. They play in musical instruments, people along in the sides of the road. They're on their way to Jerusalem with the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody's all pumped up. 
So David is celebrating. Now, is he doing right? Well, he's doing a good thing, but he's doing it the wrong way. And watch what happens, verse 6. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. Now, while they're walking along, all of a sudden the oxen do something, and he sees the ark moving, and so he goes, oh, my gosh, and he puts his hand on the ark to steady it. Notice, and the anger of the Lord burned against Uzzah, and God struck him down there for his irreverence, and he died there by the ark of God. Died just like that. Remember, you weren't supposed to touch the ark. You weren't supposed to touch the ark. And he did wrong, and he died. This is in Numbers chapter 4, verse 15. This is the instructions. When Aaron and his sons have finishing, finished covering the holy objects, that's the ark and the other things, and all the furnishings of the sanctuary, when the camp is to set out, after that the sons of Korath shall come to carry them so that they may not touch the holy objects and die. Sometimes people do things that are openly against what God says, even if they think they're doing right. You remember Ananias and Sapphira, which is at the very beginning of the New Testament and the beginning of the church. And uh, they came and they sold some property. And I'm going to make up a figure just so you'll understand it. They sold it for 100, and they kept 50, and they were going to give the church 50. But they told the church, they told Peter, this is how much it cost. We got 50 bucks for it. They got 100. They could keep all 100. They could give away 50. They could do anything they wanted to. But what they did is they lied. If you remember when he came to Peter and he said, we sold it for 50, what happened to him? He died immediately. And his wife came in and told the same lie. She died immediately. You remember Aaron had two sons, Nadab and Abihu. They were priests with Aaron. Their job was to take fire, and they were supposed to take fire off a certain place and put it in and bring it to the holy place. They took a fire from the wrong place, and they took it in there, and they died. I'll say this in a nice way. God's not playing games. He is the holy, righteous, perfect God who loves us beyond what we could imagine. But he says, do what I say. These are for your protection. And so we're going to see that Uzzah puts his hand up there and dies. Now watch the next verse. And David became angry. Because of the Lord's outburst against us, and he named that place Perez Uzzah to this day. Now, David's angry, but let me tell you what, he's not angry with God. He's angry with himself because they now realize wait a minute, we're not supposed to carry the ark on a cart. We're not supposed to go touching the ark. We're supposed to carry it, the Levites are supposed to carry it on the poles. We did a wrong thing. We tried to do a good thing, but we did it the wrong way. Perez Uzzah means the breaking through, it means God broke through and killed Uzzah. So look what happened. So David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come down to me? He said, I don't know what to do now. I don't, I don't want to try to bring it. And David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. But David took it aside to the house of a man by the name of Obed-Edom, who was a Gittite. And then the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. 
And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his household. So David, David said, I, I'm not moving. I'm not touching. We're not touching that. Let's just leave it here. And there was a guy named Obed-Edom, and he said, we're just going to leave it at your house. Now, Obed-Edom could have said, I, uh, I don't know about touching that thing. Just, okay, leave it out in the yard. Let's be, you know, be careful. And yet, what did God do? Because Obed-Edom was careful. It said he blessed him. He had it for three months, and he blessed him greatly. As I mentioned a while ago, that God deals with us as children, but never forget that he is all-powerful. He is perfectly righteous. He can do anything he wants, anytime he wants. So when we say things like, I can see and it doesn't even matter. Well, I think it does matter. I think it does matter. You know, in the Bible, there are two kinds of sins that they talk about. One is called a, a sin that couldn't help it. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Sometimes we just don't measure up. And then there's a thing called presumptuous sins, which you know it's wrong and you do it on purpose. That's called a trespass. That means to step over the line. So be careful. Sometimes we just mess up and we go, boy, I blew it. Yeah. And then sometimes we say, I'm going to do it. And I know it's wrong, but I'm still going to do it. Be careful when we do that. Because anything can happen. So what happens here? So David leaves it at the house of Obed-Eden for, uh, for three months. And then look at verse 12. Now, it was told King David, saying that the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Eden and all that belongs to him on account of the ark of God. So David went up and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Eden into the city of David with gladness. So David's going to get it. He says, I'm going to go get the ark. And why? Because, well, there's blessing, and now we're going to, I want to fulfill the mission of bringing everybody together, and we've got to do what's right. Now, let me just tell you something. There's, there's First and Second Samuel. And then there's First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, and then First and Second Chronicles. Those are the books of the Old Testament. First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings go historically. First and Second Chronicles basically take the information about King David's life and gives us more details. So if you ever want to see more details about First and Second Samuel, go to First Chronicles. Well, in First and Second Chronicles, in First Chronicles, in chapter 15, let me read something to you. David, this is, takes place at the time they're bringing the ark the second time. And he says, he got Zadok the priest and these people, and he said, consecrate yourself, let's bring up the ark of God. And then he says this, because you did not carry it at first, the Lord our God made an outburst against us since we did not seek him according to the ordinance. He said, we didn't do it right. So the priest and the Levites consecrated themselves to bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel. The sons of the Levites carried the ark of God, how? On their shoulders, with the poles on them, just as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. So the second time David's going to carry the ark to Jerusalem, he gets the Levites, they cover it up, they pick up the poles, and they're carrying it in the right way. Now, he's doing a good thing the right way. And look what David did. You may be surprised. Verse 13, so it was that when the bearers of the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatling. Listen, when they started off and they went, one, two, three, four, five, six, they stopped. David said, stop, let's offer some sacrifices. And he offered some sacrifices. Now, whether every six steps they offered sacrifices or not, it doesn't really say, but they offered sacrifices as they were on their way to Jerusalem. Now, look what David was doing. Verse 14, 
And David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. Now, uh, an ephod was a little jacket that sometimes the priests wore. David's wearing it in honor, basically in honor of bringing up the ark. But notice what it says, and David was dancing before the Lord. The Hebrew word for dancing means to twirl. It means to spin. I would try it, but I'd fall down. But anyway, so David was spinning around in front of the ark. As he's walking ahead of the ark, he's dancing and spinning around. I mean, I've had people say to me, well, it's a sin to dance. No, it's not a sin to dance. David danced for the ark. It's a sin to do some dances, but it's not a sin to dance. And David is dancing, showing his joy, his love, his, his worship of, of God. And that's what he's doing. And so look, it says, so David... And all the house of Israel were bringing the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. I mean, they're blowing trumpets. They got music. David's dancing. The ark is coming. This is a huge day. This is big. But watch. Verse 16. It happened as the ark of God came into the city of David that Michael, and remember, Michael is his wife. She was the daughter of Saul. It says that Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked out the window and saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And you think she might say, there he is. Man, he loves God. That's not what she says. She saw him leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. She saw him dancing. She saw him spinning around, and it says she saw him coming and leaping and dancing, and she despised him. You know what she's saying? You're embarrassing me. You don't look like a king. You look terrible. You look like a common person. You're supposed to be the king of Israel, and you're dancing around there, and all these people are seeing you, and she says he's uncovered. She doesn't mean he doesn't have any clothes on. She means he's not wearing his kingly robes. He doesn't look like a king. You know what David is doing? David is humbling himself before the Lord. David says, you know who the king is? It ain't me. It's, in, it's God in that ark. That's who it is. He's dancing before the Lord. And she looks out and she says, you're embarrassing me. You look like a common person. That's what she's going to say. Well, let's see what happens. Well, verse 17, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in his place inside the tent, which David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings for the Lord. Listen, they came and set it up. Let me show you what it looked like. This is a, a, just a quick thing of it. It has a, has a big uh, kind of fence around it. That's the gate that you go in. You go in and there's the altar in which you offer the sacrifices. That's a place that you wash your hands. And then you go into this room and it's divided into two parts. The front room is called the holy place. The back room is called the holy of holies. And so let me give you an idea again. You go into the, the go in, there's the altar where you, uh, where you offer the sacrifices. That's the laver. You go into the front room, there's the lampstand on one side, the table of showbread on the other side, the uh, altar of incense there. This, this kept burning all the time. Every, they put 12 loaves of bread in, and once a week they changed it out. It represented the 12 tribes of Israel. The, he also represented Jesus as the bread of life. This was the lampstand, Jesus is the light of the world. This was the altar of incense. That's the prayers going up. Jesus continually makes intercession for us. There's the curtain, and in the back room was the Ark of the Covenant, what we've already seen. That curtain separated the front room from the back room. And when Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn from the top to the bottom, and the way was open, and it's showing people that now the way is open to God because Jesus Christ has paid for the sins of the world. That's what we see. So they set it all up. 
This looks great. And it says he offered sacrifices. He offered burnt offerings, uh, which is a total dedication, and peace offerings, which is the idea of fellowship. And, and so we see he did all of this. Burnt offering, we, we offer sacrifices. We offer a, a burnt offering. And our burnt offering is we say to God, I, I beseech you, brother, I, I beseech you, present your bodies as living sacrifices to God. That's what we do. We say, God, take my life. That's a total dedication. We offer peace offerings and fellowship and thanksgiving. Be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. So we offer sacrifices too. There's called spiritual sacrifices. And so he did it. Now watch what happens. And then David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings. This is verse 18. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Further, he distributed to all the people, to all the multitude of Israel, both men and women, a cake of bread and one of dates and one of raisins to each one. Then all the people departed and went home. He gave everybody food. Everybody that came to the big celebration, he said, if you'll just line up, we're going to give everybody some bread and some dates and some cake and, some, and thank you all for coming. And he gives everybody food and they all go home. It is a great celebration. David has humbled himself before the living God as the king of Israel. Watch what happens when he goes home. Verse 20, but when David returned to bless his household, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how the king of Israel distinguished himself today. He uncovered himself today in the eyes of the servants, maids, as one of the foolish ones shamelessly uncovers himself. She basically comes with sarcasm and says, boy, you really look good today. Boy, you look great today. You uncovered yourself in front of the common people. Now, she doesn't mean he didn't have clothes on. She means you don't look like a king. You're wearing regular people's clothes. You're out there spinning around and dancing. Everybody's looking at you. They're making fun of you. You look like a common person. You're supposed to be the king of Israel. You're making me look bad. That's what she's really saying. You know what David says? Hey, I didn't do that for you. I'm not doing this for you. I'm not doing this for anybody. I'm doing this for the Lord. Look at verse 21. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above his house to appoint me ruler over Israel that I celebrate before the Lord. He said, I did this for the Lord. I humble myself before the Lord. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm just the king of Israel appointed by him and allowed by him. And he is the one I worship. He is the one that I dance to. He is the one that I sing to. I celebrate the Lord. It is the Lord who chose me. We're to seek the favor of God and not the favor of others. It is so easy in our culture that we want to look good before people. There's going to come time for all of us in which you're going to have to stand for Christ because the culture is getting worse and worse and worse. And one of these days, there's going to maybe come a time where you have to stand up and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he is the way, the truth, and the life. And I believe he's the only way of salvation. And I believe that the Bible is God's word. And I'm going to live my life by the Bible. And I'm going to believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm standing for those truths. You're going to have to do that one of these days. You can do it now in certain places and they'll make fun of you and laugh at you. They might not hurt you, but they'll make fun of you and laugh at you. There may come a time when they might hurt you. It's coming. You better stand strong. David says, I'm not dancing for people to see me. I'm dancing for the Lord to see me because I live for him. Who do you live for? Are we living so people can look at us, think we're okay? Are we living for Jesus Christ? 
So look what happened. He said, look, this is just the beginning. Verse 22, I'll be more lightly esteemed than this. He said, if you think this was something, wait till you see what's going to happen in the future. I'll be more lightly esteemed than this and will be humble in my own eyes with the maids of whom you have spoken with which I'll be distinguished. He said, look, people are going to see me and they're going to see that I worship God and that I'm not the important one. God is the important one. And we've got to stand strong ourselves. And we've got to say, it is God who I live for, and not people. And then this last part, and I wish, like I said in the first service, gosh, I wish this verse wasn't in here, but it is. Verse 23, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child to the day of her death. You know what that means? David had nothing to do with her after this ever again, ever. I, he said, I'd, I'd rather be thought foolish by you than be honored. I, I'd rather be thought foolish by you and be honored by God. I, I think Michael had a hard life. She loved David. She had to be on the run. She was given to another man. She saw her father and brothers killed. She was taken from her second husband, and she is rejected by David. I, I, feel, I feel sorry for her in one sense, but at the same time, uh, she was a prideful person who is embarrassed by David's worship of God. Don't ever be embarrassed to worship God. Count it as all joy that you get to come to him anytime, anyplace, anywhere. We get to come together corporately as a group of believers to worship our God and Savior. Well, David wanted to bring the ark to Jerusalem. He tried the first time, did it the wrong way. Uzzah got killed, got, died. They come the second time, everything's great. Michael looks at it, she's embarrassed. And David says, look, I'm, I'm humbling myself before the Lord. So let me give you some, some applications. Let, let's put God as central in our lives. David's plan was to bring the ark to Jerusalem to make it central that the people could all come together and worship God. What David's plan was to do that. What is the most important thing in our lives? Is it to worship God? Is it to love Him? Is it our jobs? Is it our friends? Is it our school? Is it our hobbies? Or is it our worship of God? I say it every Sunday. We've come together this morning to worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. As we gather, let's worship Him. Let's sing the songs. Think of the words. Let's, let's give. Let's pray. Let's study all as acts of worship. The second thing, let's live by the Word of God. Listen, obey the Bible, but know the Bible. You've got to do it because you want to know and apply the Bible, and your zeal has to be based on the truths of the Scripture. It's one thing to be excited about God. It's another thing to be excited about God with the truth. And when we go out these doors, you got the truth. And there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't have it. So when you're going to be excited, let's be excited about the truth. And that's why you need to study the Bible and get one of those classes on Wednesday nights and get in a grow group and, and do your own Bible study and put the Word of God together so that you can know what's right and you can be ready to give an answer. And then finally, may we be favored by God rather than men. It's easy to want everybody else to think you're great. And it's easy to want to look good in front of people. But the one you really want to impress, when I say impress in a good way, is, our, is your God and Savior. You want him to say, well done. Seek to honor and worship God regardless of how others view us. Stand strong in a fallen world. It's coming.